Hello, everybody. Welcome to another amazing cut from the Texas Department Association's Education Foundation series, Hints from HR. I'm Blaise Fidelari with Gemstar Construction, and today's show is about the great resignation. This is real and something that the multifamily industry should not only be aware of, but should be looking to be benefited from. This is a time to look for new talent outside of our industry and find those who are in looking for a change and would greatly fit for our multifamily industry. A little tongue-tied so far, but we have Becca Ramadi here, the VP of TAAEF, and Nicole Block from Brookfield Properties that are going to help me not be tongue-tied through this episode. <laughs> Say hello, ladies. Hello. Hello, hello. Our special guest is Stephanie Grant. Stephanie is the Director of People at Olympus Properties. Stephanie, welcome to Hints from HR. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself, yourself and give us a background? Thank you so much, all of you, for having me, first of all. A um, little bit about me. I've been with Olympus Property for almost five years. It'll be five years in December. It is actually a new industry for me. I grew up um, in HR. I, I've been doing HR for about 25 years. Um, my previous life was in the industrial equipment space. Um, in HR, again, HR is sort of HR everywhere with its little nuances, uh, but I spent um, 18 years in HR leadership for basically uh, forklift dealerships um, or material material handling equipment. Talk about being tongue-tied. In small to mid-sized companies, anywhere from 250 to about 400. Um, so Olympus Property is standing strong at 460 now. And um, it's been a blast um, and an interesting new industry to be in after all that time. That's amazing. Yeah, and definitely a big change. Now, Stephanie, based on your background and having the experience coming into a new industry now, what do you think is important for job seekers to be aware of when looking for something new to be embarking on a fresh career path? Sure, that's a great question uh, because there are people looking to make a lot of uh, changes now um, due to COVID and whatnot. And then um, obviously, too, with the hopeful uh, end to all these extra unemployment benefits, we'll have a flood of new people into the market um, coming back out looking for a new work. I think the biggest thing to remember as a job seeker is that whatever skills you have, whether they're in sales um, or operations or tech or even you know working with your hands, those skills are transferable. They don't apply only to one industry. So having the confidence and the mindset that you can take whatever skill you do have and apply it across, um, in this case, a multifamily career uh, would be a good transition. Um, and I think most people put themselves in a little box and they just say, okay, well, I don't have experience here, so I'm not even going to apply over here. And that's mistake number one. I think um, stepping into your into your skills and really realizing that they are transferable is, is the number one most important thing. Great point in saying, you know, they, they put themselves in a box or they only stick with what they know. And so sometimes they kind of get too granular and that I only know this industry. Um, but to your point, you know, human resources is human resources wherever you go. Now, will there be that nuance? Of course. But if you're in customer service or sales or accounting, you know, um, it, all of those things are transferable, but it's just, don't be so defined by the industry. And I know we've talked about that before in some of our past um, episodes is that, you know, look at the skill set and then, you know, as a job seeker, you know, really lean into that. And then we'll talk a little bit about the operator's role in this too, because the operators need to be able to speak parallels to their, to their future candidates. So I know that we'll probably kind of talk a little bit more about that as we go along with the podcast, but I think that's a great point, Stephanie. 
Yeah, I'm going to quickly segue out before we go down this rabbit hole, because that's where we're, we're headed right now. And I just want to talk about the, the great resignation <laughs> in general and what that is exactly. You know, the, the pandemic has affected how we're looking at our lives, especially our work lives and, and the balance between that. You know, many are re- rethinking what's important to them um, and what's going to benefit their existence here. And according to the Labor Department, a record of 4 million people quit their jobs last April alone. We saw many of these resignations coming from the restaurant, hotel industries. Now, Stephanie, uh, since these are people that we tend to want to recruit, uh, what does multifamily need to do better to attract these individuals? And and additionally to that, uh, with some of the unemployment benefits ending now, um, we should see people coming back to seek new career opportunities. So how are we going to attract them? To multifamily. Oh, sure. So I think number one, you need to make sure you're you're marketing directly to them. You know, when you speak about hospitality um, and restaurant, that's those are all about service, right? And they're all, you know, let, let's face it, the travel industry has been completely decimated by COVID, right? So some of these people are not choosing to make a career change at this point. They are just simply out of a job. And there is a a direct line between hospitality and multifamily in that we're taking care of people who live with us. And whether those people live with us for one night or two nights in a hotel, or they're living with us for a year on a lease, um, the, the sort of structure and concept is the same in terms of service. And so we need to market directly to them. I would recommend going to associations that you know represent the travel business um, specifically, and and go out and find those people because you know it's amazing to me how many people, let's say, live in an apartment, but don't necessarily think about working at the apartment. And mm-hmm. I know when I lived in an apartment years ago, I never thought, oh, well, why don't I be a, a leasing consultant? It just never even crossed my mind. So. I think reaching out directly to those people and making the industry more known in any way that you can is important. Yeah. And, and I would add to that too, that, you know, the things I thought about during the pandemic, and we all had, you know, lots of time to think when we're at home, you know, but the word essential, you know, kept coming to mind. And in our industry, you know, we were deemed essential workers. We provide housing, you know, we provide structure, we provide you know, just mean shelter for lack of a better term. Um, so, so I think sometimes when there are frustrations in the hospitality world or the restaurant or the retail world, um, where they were maybe not have getting their hours or the businesses are closing down or, you know, or any of those things where they were kind of frustrated about, you know, gosh, when something else hits or the next recession, you know, those types of things. Now I wouldn't say we're recession proof, but I think that we are built to last. And so I think that by having that conversation as well with someone who maybe wasn't in an essential role um, and being able to say, hey, for stability for the future, you know, obviously the past 18 months have been really a roller coaster for everyone, but people that are losing their jobs, I mean, that's really, that's really difficult. And I think for our frontline foundational associates, our leasing associates, you know, our onsite associates, you know, service teams, um, and then suppliers too, because the suppliers are the ones that come and provide the services or the goods in order to make sure that we can accommodate, you know, all of our customers that live with us. So I think that having that conversation too, while you're trying to recruit potentially, or anyone that you know that might be looking, kind of focusing it back to that, maybe for, because that's on their mind. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why they're looking to jump um, is because one, they might not have a position, but two, they don't want it to happen again. You can talk about apartment discounts and 
the fact that there's no commute. And so there, yeah. there's a lot of like really nice benefits for people, especially through crazy times like this, that they may not even be aware of because they're not, you know, they're not in that mindset. But the, the essential focus is that's a that's a great one because the stability of the travel industry is up and down, as you know, all the time. And but everybody needs a place to live. Be on the lookout for some images and uh, sort of a mini campaign of sorts with just that idea that Stephanie mentioned about people living in apartments and not thinking about the job opportunities and career opportunities that that come with that. So be on the lookout from TIAEF to see some images and things that you can share with people you know who might be a good fit for the apartment industry. The other thought, Nicole, I like recession resistance because nothing is proof, recession proof, but resistant, I think we're definitely in that category. And I think the more that the industry and, and companies can do to help candidates translate that experience, the better. You're going to pull out more um, transferable skills and help that candidate really go farther and be, become a good member of your of your team. Totally. I actually, uh, I just want to add to that as well, because I think uh, people on the outside of this industry as well, sometimes I, I've, I've recommended this industry to many people that are not part of this industry. And I, I feel like there's an intimidation factor as well, because they're not sure of like where to start, how to start, what to get into. And I'm like, really, you just got to take that plunge. Um, it happened to me accidentally as well. And once I did and started learning the industry and then started seeing all the essential duties that each organization play, whether they're on the management side or the supplier side, um, have been, you know, really anything that you live, you're in an apartment community, anything, any amenity, there is an opportunity somewhere for you. So I agree with all of that, but don't be intimidated by it. Embrace it and uh, everything will fall into place. But you have to learn the industry as well. And uh, taking that first step is really the first part. And thank you for referring, Blaze. Thanks for walking the talk from this from this podcast. We appreciate it. I don't know how much success I've had, but I definitely try and I preach it. And then when I when people actually see what I do for a living and see the amazing industry and people that we're surrounded with, because it's a huge family. Um you know, I feel like they're just envious a little bit too. And I'm like, well, you could do it too. You just have to take the plunge. Um, maybe this is a good moment real quick to hear about the supplier side of things and the career opportunities that are there for people also looking at the apartment industry as a path. Sure. And I mean, really, essentially, it's it's everything and anything that you can possibly imagine. I mean, and you could do you know, your corporate roles or, you know, and, and be an HR for a supplier side, or you can be in like operation roles and work with like logistics and work in your warehouse. Um, obviously, there's uh, sales positions everywhere. You have your accounting teams. Uh, so you, you could still do your financing, uh, marketing, business development, you know, and then we provide every kind of trade to every community as well, uh, whether it's paint, carpet, uh, construction, security, uh, you know, appliance sales and maintenance and landscaping, and you have plumbing and HVAC. So anything that you can possibly imagine. And then additionally, we have opportunities. I have a great friend of mine that started, uh, he's actually on the management side and started a uh, entertainment business where he does movies at properties. So outdoor movie events. And, you know, the list can go on and on, on a how many different avenues you can go to. And then the industry is always evolving, right? So you're seeing like more dog parks go into communities, dog wash stations, 
they have workout classes. So there's going to be people that uh, facilitate all of those businesses. So really anything you can think of, and as the industry keeps evolving and, and needs keep shifting from, you know, our management teams to the resident needs, you know, there's always going to be a service uh, available for that. And I would like to add that if anybody ever did want to reach out to me as well, you can find me and we can have a conversation offline if you want to get more in details with it. But it's anything you can imagine. You know, there's food truck nights at apartments. So, like, you just get involved in the industry and, you know, the the opportunities are endless. So, with that, maybe, I guess I'll segue right into Stephanie. Question for you. What about what the job seeker needs to be thinking about when changing industry? What do they need to be on the lookout for? I would say the biggest thing to prepare yourself for going out there and trying to take a step into a new industry is to, A, not put yourself in the box that I was talking about earlier, but also craft your story. Um, Because when we interview people, um, you know, you look at a resume and the the old school way of thinking was, oh, let's look at the the resume and how long this person was here. And they, oh, well, they're a job hopper or this or that. Um, This industry is very different in terms of of that sort of mindset because of the buying and the selling that goes on and just the the turn of properties or whatever, the growth. Um, But you have to be able to tell your story in a way that compels the hiring manager to say, hey, they might not have the leasing experience, for example, but their story sure is about being a good salesperson and a good customer service person. Or, hey, this guy doesn't really know yet how to maybe work on a, a HVAC system, but he's a backyard mechanic that has been doing this, you know, with his dad for 15 years um, out of, you know, a hobby, or he builds like race cars or something. And and if your story is compelling enough, that's going to get that hiring manager to look at you and not focus in on whether or not you have that specific experience, right? And so I would just say craft your story really well, and then make sure that you know what you're getting into. So don't be afraid to make the interview a two-way street. Make sure you're talking to the hiring manager about what is, you know, what is the culture like? What kind of training opportunities do I have here? Yeah. Um, this industry, more than anyone that I've been in, um, has a ton of training opportunities, right? So um, ask questions and look eager and ready to learn something. Because after all, if we're talking about the great resignation and the fact that a lot of people are trying to do something different, then you have to then do something different, like step into it and be willing to learn how to do something different. And sometimes that just means shadowing people. Sometimes that's formal training. And sometimes that's just asking the dumb questions, right? Because, you know, no question is dumb. Um, but take take advantage of all those opportunities. Absolutely. And I'm glad you touched base on the training aspect of it, too, because there's so many organizations and actually most organizations that I've ever had a conversation with uh, talk about the importance that sometimes they don't want people with so much information coming into a position because they would like to train them in their culture and how they want, you know, you to perform there. So it's really always a learning opportunity. And I think, you know, during this great resignation, especially for the job seeker, you know, really look for an opportunity to break out of the box and learn a new trade or a new way to approach uh, your career and, uh, and find that work balance that's going to suit you the best way. Now, Nicole, uh, I don't know if you have anything to touch on on that, but 
I, I know we've talked about the importance of finding parallels between industries mm-hmm. and how, and it's been discussed on past episodes from Hints of HR, but can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I, I think that the parallels really are crucial. And I think that was that as an industry, we need to do exactly what Stephanie is doing and not say they must have experience. Because I think that when we do that, one, we limit the pool. And I also feel like we're just continuing to, you know, not just continuing down the same path. We talked about diversity. You know, we talked about, you know, equity, inclusion, all of these things. And so I think sometimes when we, if we're only thinking about one way, we're just limiting all of our candidates. We're limiting that pool and we're really limiting our industry because it's proven that, you know, as you diversify and as you include, you know, a more diverse group, then you're going to go further faster. You're going to be more efficient. You're going to have a more engaged workforce, you know, which translates into happy customers, you know, which also translates into the bottom line, you know, profitable, even though we're a people business, I mean, we still are a business. And I think that, you know, the people that have been a little bit more hesitant and saying, no, they must have this. I think they're really limiting that. And I think that also with the great resignation is that this is, I know several of, of my colleagues were like, oh my gosh, everyone's leaving. And I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, well, if they're leaving, who's coming? Like, wait a minute. Like there could be some people that are coming. So don't necessarily as an operator or a supplier, look at this as a perceived negative. Because yes, you might have some transition on your team. We hope that you don't have as much, um, but it's also an opportunity. So I think that if you are drawing those parallels, when you're looking at the resume, the resume, it's it's a necessary evil sometimes for me because I'm like, I'm using it as a funnel. I'm using it as a selection tool, deselect sometimes. Um, but I really am trying to dig in and read between those lines. You know, so, you know, similar to what Stephanie said, it's like, Okay, they're clearly in the service industry. So if I ask these service type questions, can I draw the parallel? You know, maybe they haven't drawn it themselves, you know, but can I draw the parallel when I reach out and call them for, you know, for an interview? So sometimes the indeeds of the world, you know, you get 7,000, you know, resumes are just getting, you know, fed. Stephanie's like, preach, I know. But so, <laughs> so I think the job seeker isn't being as selective. They're just going in and just kind of throwing all out there. And it's, it's really our responsibility to go in and kind of, like kind of pull it back and claw it back and see what's going to relate to our industry because we know the skill set that we need. So I think that as operators, we still have to get over that, you know, kind of old school way of only wanting experience. Um, and again, it depends on what you're hiring for. You know, if you're hiring for an entry-level leasing associate, that's different than hiring for a CEO. I mean, clearly we want some experience if you're going to be a CEO, but, but are we hiring for CEOs? No. We're hiring for leasing associates. We're hiring for maintenance technicians. We're hiring for transferable skills for our foundational team. So I think that we uh, we just need to be more open-minded. I will actually call the person who is in, in maintenance or from maintenance, maybe technical, that has no idea how to use a computer, but manages to email in and say, hey, I'm, a, I'm interested in this job. Please call me. I will call that person. I have no I have no hesitation to call them, even if there's no resume, because you never know until you talk to somebody um, where their life has brought them and Mm -hmm. they could be a perfect person for an entry level, you know, groundskeeper, or who knows, they might have skills beyond that, that you, you just don't know. And they don't know how to put it on paper. Yeah. So that's a really great point. That's a really great point. Now that's one part of this on the recruiting piece of this conversation. I think it's really important that we kind of cover retention 
as well. So how do we make sure that once folks get in, how do we keep them fulfilled by these new uh, career opportunities or job responsibilities? Stephanie, can you talk about the culture uh, in, in retention at Olympus? Certainly. So on retention, um, I have a few comments. I, I noticed um, so we had done a survey and in, in, in our survey, we identified that we tend to lose engagement a little bit between year one and year two. But if we can get people to hang on until that year three, then they tend to be lifers, right? They, they tend to stay a lot longer. Um, so number one, you, you can't expect your onboarding to be 30 days long or 90 days long and then be like, okay, did that. Like, we're all good. You need to be onboarding all the time. Yeah. And whether you call it onboarding or you call it something else, like, you know, um, I can't remember the author, but there was a, a quick little read called the stay interview, right? I'm a much bigger fan of the stay interview than the exit interview, right? So you want to be talking to people while they're here, you know, and really understanding where they're trying to go and what they're trying to do. And especially with um, certain generations that we have in the workplace right now, the expectation for advancement is higher than maybe it used to be. And so if you're not having those conversations, they're going to lose interest in you really quickly and they're going to scoot. And so you have to make sure that you're in there talking to them. Um, the culture also, um, you know, we have a set of core values are customer-centered, trust, family, teamwork, and fun. And, um, you know, a lot of that for me is just about treating other people as, as you'd like to be treated, right? Treating them as human beings and people that have lives um, and have things come up and you can't put again everybody in a little box and expect that they're all going to act the same and have the same expectations um, and I find if you're if you're doing that um, then even when you have to have maybe a little difficult conversations with people that you know it's a little bumpy along the way um, that's actually an opportunity to make them even more loyal to you because you're treating them with the respect that they deserve so you know onboarding is constant. Um, and for us, that that plays a big role in getting people to stay here. Nicole, I know that you need to add to this because I have many episodes. We have already discussed the uh, the onboarding and the, the stay interviews and, yeah. and and things of that nature. So please uh, shed some light if you can. Yeah. And I, I think that when we talk about drawing parallels, you know, what we were discussing when we did our intake call is that. You know, think about the residents, you know, whenever someone moves in, yes, we want them to have a great move in experience, but we also don't stop talking to them once they move in. We are constantly checking on how are they doing? Are they engaged? Are they enjoying it here? We survey them probably more than they want sometimes because we're all constantly trying to build that rapport and make that connection. And then hopefully they renew with us. So it, it's not surprising to me that Stephanie's feedback from her survey was that there's going to be a change after one to two years similar with a resident. And I think that changing it from just an onboarding on the front end, yes, it's important to focus on it. But I think that making that a constant conversation as far as engagement and growth and development, you know, I think that that's, that's a huge piece and really helping people understand how they grow in place. We can't all, you know, whoop, can't always grow straight up. There's only so many positions, if you will, and opportunities, but we can always feel like we're growing into more well-rounded professionals. And I think that, you know, making that focus as well with your team and helping them understand, you know, I think that they're always looking for something they don't feel they're getting. So, and most of the time that's going to come to, you know, opportunities or my manager or leader cares about me 
or that they, you know, are they understand their why. So I think it's great the focus that Stephanie uh, talked about that Olympus does. And I, you know, really am encouraged by that. And I think a lot of companies, you know, should just take another look and see, you know, one, are you getting the onboarding right? Yes, it's important. Um, but how are you keeping them on board? You know? Well, and I have a, a saying, I didn't make it up. I just learned it over the years and I just, just stuck with me that managing is doing things right, but leadership is doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And those are not always the same. Yeah. And I think that organizations that understand that leadership is doing the right thing versus always following what is her policy to the letter of whatever is there. The, the leadership people are going to be on the winning side of that. Now, yeah. Stephanie, you mentioned that. And I, I think uh, on our pre-call, you talked about kind of making sure you know the industry before making like policies and, you know, cross training. And can you share shed some light on on what you meant by all of that when we discussed earlier? Oh, certainly. Well, you know, the industry that I came from was very, very different, uh, both in terms of demographic, um, lots of demographic stuff in in age and and gender and lifestyle. And uh, basically, it's a much more diverse industry than what I was used to. Um, And then it's also not business to business. So I came from business to business and, and we're in a sort of business to consumer right? Because we're providing people homes. And so then there's the resident aspect of it and how they interact with your teams and and some kind of the things that go on there. And so it would be wrong for somebody like me to come in, even having, you know, at the time, you know, 20 plus years of experience in HR and think that I could come in and just decide to build policy around what I know um, without going on site and living the lives of the people that I'm serving, right? I, I had to go out and spend time with them. I had to mm-hmm. spend time with regional managers. I hung out on site and just kind of watched what they did. And conceptually, I know what it is to lease an apartment, but I joke with them all the time. Like, oh my God, I couldn't do your job. It's like way too people for me, you know, um, because there's, you know, the whole resident factor. And so you have to get to know them and you have to know what's important to them before you can just come in and start dictating how you're going to set up, you know, human resource policy. Mm-hmm. No, I but think, I think that, that even goes, you know, for your specific role. And again, every role is different, but before you even get to the onboarding, there's the recruiting process, right? So mm-hmm. I think that for you to go out and see who you, what positions you're recruiting for, what environment are they working in and what is our industry really all about? Because again, Five years ago, you didn't know anything about multifamily uh, except, you know, living in an apartment. So I think that that's fantastic as well because it makes you relatable and it probably helps you in your recruiting um, process as far as skill sets, helps you build those parallels. So, you know, so yes, it'll help with the onboarding too, but I think the recruiting process and the marketing, I mean, all of that's going to kind of build on each other. All of it. And then, you know, where I could impart wisdom, you know, of my own experience was, you know, when I would be on site and see sort of, you know, when they're smaller teams and you're missing a person and you're trying to hire a person, a lot of times people get desperate, right? And so then I could play the role of like, hey, I know you really want to hire just anybody because you just need somebody, but let's slow down and make sure we hire the right person because if you don't, here's what you're going to be dealing with. So I think we both, it was a give and take. Like we both had things that we could learn from each other. And I think that's the best way you can do it. It's very collaborative. And um, and again, to your point, builds credibility and trust, which is, of course, one of our core values. So, so what I'm hearing, too, uh, if you were part of the Great Resignation, you 
need to consider multifamily. Uh, this industry has yes. a, a wide spectrum of opportunities uh, from the operating side to the supplier side. Uh, we're de uh, delivering people uh, while they're in their homes and we're, we're trying to give the best service possible. Uh, we have the training that's necessary in all departments. Um, I know there's people needed everywhere. Uh, I think this has been a fantastic episode. And uh, Stephanie, I want to thank you for all of your input here. Uh, you've been a tremendous uh, addition to our program, Hints from HR, of course, Nicole and, and Becca as well. Stephanie, thank you. Um, I love some of your hints, or the director of people. So hints from HR. Literally. Loved, uh, <laughs> crafting your story. I thought that was such a gem. Uh, Stephanie, Becca, Nicole, thank you all very much. I'm Blaze, and uh, have a great day. Thank Bye, you. guys. Thank you.